Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thanks for joining us yet again. Much appreciated. Today my guest is an incredibly talented woman, Walker Brandt. Walker is an actress who has been on a whole host of very, very popular shows such as Star Trek 90210. She featured in City Slickers and Dante's Peak back in the day. Um, this is not, we didn't really concentrate much on our acting career, it was more of our backstory. And Walker's got a great story to tell about her history when she was younger and she had a really troubled childhood. She talks really quite frankly about it, but the problem of what happened when she was younger and how she actually got through it. And that's the main thing I want to point is Walker's an incredibly positive person and she learnt a lot and she portrays that when you speak to her. She's full of energy and from someone who has went through such a hard past to be so positive now, it's 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 an amazing story. So guys, I hope you like it. It's an extremely positive podcast. It's something we need right now. With all the negativity in the world, this is something we need to keep us keep us sane. So without further ado, Please welcome the extremely talented Walker Brand. And we are live. I'm joined by Walker. How are you doing? You're right. I'm great. And you? I'm not bad, not too bad. I was just saying they were talking about before. The world is on fire, but we're still kicking. We're kicking and screaming, fought going falls. It's not too bad, to be honest. Yeah, not going anywhere. <laughs> not yet, anyway. Not yet, anyway. We're still, we're still here. So it's not been too bad, my side, to be fair. I mean, I'm in the UK, and it's a bit... It's, it, the good thing about it, on Saturday, we're recording this on the, the Tuesday, this Saturday coming, the pubs are open again. So... As you can imagine, we're going to have, we're in the midst of the biggest party this generation has ever seen. I know, I know. I've seen a little bit of it on the news and uh, several, several places around the world. Even here, there's some that are uh, opened. But like I said earlier, we have uh, a little breakout, mm. uh, little hot spots because the testing is more available now. So people are getting a little nervous, but they're, they're, <laughs> They're not doing very well at stopping the people who need to have that community. They need to have a beer and just chill with each other. I understand that. They need to get out of their houses. They need to connect. They need to experience life as they knew it and, um, and then evolve into where they want to go with it. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it, there's, there's a calmness that comes from familiarity. And so it's understandable that people want to go back to experience some of those those uh, normal uh, weekly occurrences they had while they're being forced into a new understanding of what their future may look like. So yeah. I get it. That's the thing. Do you think we'll ever get back to normality again? Things going to be back the same, or is it just going to be like this forever? Well, I don't think we'll be the same because if you know, in reality, we're never really the same. Uh, every moment we're evolving. Uh, this is such a huge push into evolution. Mm. Uh, so I think what we are seeing possibly that resistance to change happening out there, that uh, discomfort with the lack of familiarity, I think we may um, have people drawn to wanting to be where they were just to feel safe. But the world is in a place of 
I mean, we're in a, we're in expansion right now. Uh, we went in to come back out with another understanding. And I yeah. think that uh, that's not going to let us sort of do it the same way. I think the normal, I'm not a big fan of the new normal slogan. I don't know about you, but that kind of, it's like the new normal thing is not really my thing, yeah. but I think everyone is discovering uh, their new right now. Well, that's, and uh, then why? That's, <laughs> uh, yeah, and why, and it's, 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 it is a change. But I think, I think we needed this change, you know. I think this is what's needed to go for, as you mentioned about evolution and going forward. We needed to have this because we were, we were kind of circling the drain for a minute with the things that was going on, what was happening, and then it's just when, right, we, this is like a, a refresh, a restart sort of thing to like take a step back, think about what's going on, what you're going to do with yourself, what society's all about, and then change it for the best. And uh, it's now starting to come, a lot of things coming through now with obviously um obviously the riots and the, the, the black lives matter kind of thing that's going on around the world which is great to see and uh some some are doing some good things some are doing some not so good things you know but it's it's positive change positive change but it is as all about positive change and that's the main thing going forward is trying to create a society more positive than it has been before because we were really negative before all this sort of stuff weren't we and we were in like a bubble, you know, yeah. we were all so, you know, doing, 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 and not really being, not really connected to the truth that we are all connected. Uh, I think that's, for me, that's what I've seen people resonate with the most is hear this unseen little tiny virus connected everybody on such a deep level globally, this biological unseen thing, we think we're in such control all the time. And, um, and it woke people up to, wait a minute, I am one, not in control. <laughs> Two, I am very close to my brothers and sisters on another continent, my human family. Yeah. We are connected in such a way, not just energetically, I mean, everything is connected through energy, but this is something that brought our matter, you know, our, what we are made of really to the forefront because for years I've had this, this saying my, all my family knows about, they laugh at me because I say, we're like floating heads. We're just <laughs> a bunch of people floating around with no connection below the head everything's going on up here and we're doing, 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 doing. And it's, you know, it's understandable. We have an amazing mind. Our minds are incredible. You know, there isn't a computer that can even compare to what the human mind can do with what we have with yeah. our biology and our energy. And, and here we, we ended up contracting into this space of limiting ourselves to just what's going on that we know, you know, what we've been through, what we're going through right now, what we perceive, uh, rather than opening our minds and really expanding them into possibilities. And that's something that this has made people see because they were forced into a, a possibility they did not want. Of course. That's, <laughs> Isn't that, it interesting? And it's that, it's that force of being, being forced into it. And I think that's what the, the is what's made people have to change and it's it's really puts people in the back foot of like well hold on a minute as you said before it's like well this this isn't right anyway this is not out of my comfort zone completely 
And uh, yeah, and it's, it's forcing people to change. It's forcing people to evolve into something a little bit better. And everything, everything's being affected though. It's not just like, um, just like ourselves as like kind of as a society, but it's actually everything like work, um, where we live, what we do, what we eat, all that sort of stuff. And it's a little bit scary to be quite honest with you. Know, is, is this going to be, um, is this going to be literally something that people can adapt to? Or is it just going to be something that we're just going to slide back into when everything's back to normal again? And that's what really kind of concerns me a little bit. Uh, so we call this positive growth and then go back to square one again. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I think that the, because the possibility of this happening again is very real, that, that uh, there are going to be viruses. I mean, we've had viruses. We have flu seasons every single year. We have pandemics every single year. Every yeah. flu season is a pandemic. We just never really, we just called it the flu season. It didn't have this huge, you know, defined occurrence like we have now. This is obviously worse than uh, flus that we've been through, and it's not as bad as other pandemics that we've had as a species. So it's somewhere in the middle. And I think because it's somewhere in the middle, it's going to inspire people to move forward. To, because we, even in our doing, even if we're, that's our mindset, we're doing and we're not, you know, being, which really needs to be before doing. Uh, otherwise, you're doing what you know, which is, you know, we could talk about that for an hour, which is going into the limited. And, but the reality is, is if you're, if you're doing, even in that mindset, and I'm not knocking doers because I love them. I'm a doer too. Um, I just realized one day I needed to do more, which was to be. <laughs> <laughs> and so, because the doing was just not working. But because even if you're a doer and that's where you're at, I think the most, one of the most important things is to recognize that everybody's at a different place. Everybody's on a journey, on a path, and we're all moving through our evolution, but some people are in a different place. And if we can have compassion and understanding for that and recognize it's not necessarily our job to tell somebody what they should be doing, but be an example of what another choice may be. And that's what's happening now. I think even the doers uh, that have sort of boxed themselves in uh, within what they think is what they're, you know, supposed to do, the supposed mm. to word, is they're recognizing through this unexpected, unseen occurrence that at any point in time, it can change. So you have to be open in the midst of your control. You have to be willing to shift. You have to be willing, because nothing motivates a doer more than going forward and being successful, you know? So, but in that moment, like you said, work has changed, business has changed. How many businesses are now, all the employees are working from home and they like it, they dig it. Mm. They're getting more productivity. So that's new. So commercial real estate, complete paradigm shift, right? Yeah. They're going it's going to be dead by this time next year, I think. Well, it's definitely, you know, an issue. It's all going to change, you know, it all is going to change. And, uh, and that, like you said, is really a good thing. But I don't think it's something that um, we're going to be able to sink back into our habit. Some people may just from fear, but as we allow ourselves, you know, everything happens in numbers. And when more people recognize that we are connected and we can be an example, even the most scared person will see a little bit further forward than where they are. And that has to be enough with us. I mean, 
for me, for me at least, it has to be enough if I, I come across a person who is in anger and blame. Yeah. It has to be okay for them because that's where they are or upset about the reality. It has to, there has to be compassion through this. I guess that's for me, there has to, that has to be my launching point. Um, because if I don't have compassion for others, I'm not going to have it for myself. And I, I have figured that much out in this life so far. <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh, I completely agree with you. Completely understand that at all. You know, it's, it's having the, the compassion and kind of empathy for everyone else sort of thing. And that's the main thing. And that's what it, I think that's what the world needs. Too many people are sitting there all behind a keyboard, bitching about each other, trolling each other because it's funny. Um, mm -hmm. They don't realize that there's other people on the end of that keyboard. There's other people on the end of that screen. They're reading yeah. these sort of things. They're into that sort of like kind of hidden society and a hidden sort of like kind of way of life that we don't, we, we say things, but we're hidden behind it. But as soon as we actually come to the forefront, we back down sort of thing. And that's just not the way to live. It's not the way to be all. And it's not the end all and be all in this world. There's much more out there that people can do. And just, it's just the fact that if you're, a lot of people will be scared of change more than anything. I think that's the thing. They don't like change. No one likes change. <laughs> it's just weird. But when you're forced to change, you get no choice. You're going to have to get yourself out there and get your finger out and do something about it. Yeah. And we are, um, and you know, when we're kids, we're so, we're so into change. Something, cha you know, changes at a certain age or we start thinking that change isn't good. We start thinking, um, well, it's, I think, ego development. We start thinking that we know more than we know. We stop adventuring and being in awe of this amazing playground. I mean, you have a four-year-old, so you know. They wake up in the morning, and when your child started walking, it wasn't like they, they fell down, and, 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 they, and they may have cried because it, they felt it, but it wasn't like the next day they went, ah, I'm over the walking thing. Not doing that. That's, that's on you. You guys keep doing it. I don't care about the walking. That's not, I'm not in for that. I'm yeah. just going to sit here and I'm not doing, you know, that's what we do as children. We embrace change. We embrace the unknown. We do it instinctually. And then we just start to sort of box ourselves in. Mm. And, uh, and when we do that, we box our world. We start determining how our society is going to be. We start creating this very contracted environment. And uh, it's interesting because this whole pandemic is like, it's like the, it feels to me like the earth shaking, you know, like, like going, oh man, come on, get with it guys. Because if you think about how the virus attacked us, it, it came into us and it started changing us. And our body started trying to respond to how, how is this, how can I survive this? How can I deal with this? We get uncomfortable. Well, on a broader scale, aren't we kind of like a pandemic on the earth? Cool, that's deep stuff, that is a walker, I tell you. Crazy, that does make you think, yeah. We, we actually are, <laughs> to be honest. We actually, we actually we are. are. We are. Because we need the earth to survive. We need everything that the earth gives to evolve. Um, and we adapt constantly according to what the earth does, just like a virus does. Mm -hmm. We are always, we are an amazing species, just like this, this little virus is, or a single celled amoeba. These are incredible life forces. And so here we are 
getting upset and freaking out about this thing, but we actually are our own version of it to a degree on the earth. So if we don't somehow reach a point of reciprocation and, you know, uh, remembering that what we do has a consequence and there's a price. So one of the, one of the wonders of this whole, whole experience is, you know, people aren't driving as much. There's not as much pollution. The waters are clear, the ocean, less trash. There's all these environmental, environmentally positive impacts from this experience. So we have to remember to look at that, right? So that we don't become a harmful pandemic on the earth, but we become some, uh, like we have little creatures living on our bodies all the time. Did you, you remember when you discovered that as a kid? Did it freak you out that you've got like little like mites and things living on you? I don't know if I know that. I think I'm just realizing this now. What are you talking I'm about? Sorry yeah. to inform you. All right, I need to jump off this podcast. I need to go for a shower. <laughs> <laughs> but there are little creatures living on you. And they are just like on, you know, you see sharks uh, swimming through the water and they've got those fish that hang on to them and whales. They're the, this creation that we live in is this amazing uh, force of natural. I know. I'm where looking are they? Where are they? I'm looking. I know. I know. <laughs> but they're there, you know, they're there. They're all over us all the time. And there's a reciprocation going on that's subconscious. It's not even part of our uh, experience. They need us, we need them. And because we're so dang intelligent, we keep forgetting that we need the earth. We keep mm. forgetting that we need the sky and the waters. We need these things and we get so caught up in you know, our doing that we forget. This is a reciprocation. So if, I really hope that we do change uh, in one very dramatic way is that maybe we don't go in, if we start working in offices, maybe we don't go in for a week or 10 days a month and we do work from home and we don't drive our cars yeah. and we do give the planet a rest from us. We just kind of slow our energy down and go inside work, you know, don't we got to do from home, but we allow the earth to breathe. We allow the earth to, and now Native Americans have been talking about this forever. They've been talking about this forever, all indigenous peoples. They've been talking about us piling on uh, masks over the earth, all our concrete, all our electricity, all the things that we use to sustain ourselves in the way that we've decided that we need to progress have been almost suffocating to the earth. They've been talking about this for generations. And here we are in a pandemic where we literally have to wear a mask to feel what the earth is going through. So there's, it's so flippin' deep. Get it. But it's just a shame that we'd actually have to have something like this to realize that, to be honest. It's, it's just what human nature is all about. You don't realize it until something really bad happens. You know, a lot of people were trying to realize what was going on previously and trying to do something about it and good on them, but just people weren't listening. And it's just a shame that something this bad that happened to the whole world and then told someone actually realized, right, hold on a minute, we're doing something wrong here. That's, I think that's a bad thing. It is. It's, it's challenging. I mean, but look at your child. When you tell her no, no, a little girl, right? Little girl, yeah. When you tell her no, 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 does she always listen or does she sometimes want to touch it anyway? 
Well, I tell you what, I tell you, there's a fun story about this one. Earlier on today, she was, I think it was last week or something like that. She was jumping on the sofa. She's four years old. She's a little nutter. She's, she's four going on 16. She's jumping on top of the sofa. And I'm turning around to her. I'm saying, like, I stop jumping on the sofa, you know, trying to be a stern daddy. I can't be stern with her. She's got me wrapped in a little finger. She's a daddy's girl. I can't do nothing about that. So I'm just going to, I say to the, to her mother sort of thing, I said, you're going to have to be the disciplinarian in this relationship because this ain't going to work because I'm going to be the fun one. You can be the, 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 the killer off sort of thing. She didn't like that, but still. So she's jumping on top of the sofa. And I said, stop jumping on top of the sofa. She turns around and looks at me, absolutely brilliant. She's like, it's funny though, isn't it? And I went, no, it's not funny. And she went, it's a little bit funny. And I went, no, it's not even a little bit funny. And she was like, look, what, not even one bit funny? I went, not even one bit funny. And she went, zero funny. <laughs> I went, yeah, zero funny. And she went, ha, I don't believe you. And just walked away. And I was just like, that, that's what I have to put up with. So, yes. So, yeah, when kids do stuff, <laughs> they don't listen to me exactly. at all. Exactly. Sometimes, see, that's the thing is, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's such a perfect example because kids come in with complete freedom. They come in little adventurers, little explorers. We're all that way inside. And we, uh, even though we're, we get stuck in our identity roles, what we've created for ourselves, and we, we start adulting, there is an element within us like a child that needs to be seen and heard. Um, and, and because we stop acknowledging that part of ourselves, we stop playing with that part of ourselves, I think there's a strong, this is a strong part of why we need something big, you know, put our hand in the fire to wake us up to that. Because yeah. there's an element of self-denial that happens in our adulting. And uh, when we get, when we start showing the compassion for ourselves uh, and start being good parents to ourselves, then our, we will allow that, openness to happen again that compassion that empathy as you said that understanding that playfulness that gives uh that gives us sort of an inherent respect um for the natural workings like kids they'll touch fire they'll jump on the uh they'll jump on the uh the sofa they'll do things within the you know our made circumstances that we don't want them to do but you take them into nature you take them for a walk into a forest and the way they behave with a tree, the way they behave when they see an animal, the way they behave in, in creation is completely different. They're at awe. They're just amazed by it. They don't have a desire to go jump on the deer. No. They want to touch the tree. They want to look at the little beautiful flower. I don't know if I'm telling you, so that's their favorite thing, picking up a flower and handing it and just staring at this flower. And that's just something we forget to do. And when we do that, we start giving ourselves permission to do that and come out of our contracted sort of technology world, which not knocking technology, I think it's amazing. And it's obviously we're doing this, it's, it's brilliant, it's wonderful, and it's a huge gift. We just need some balance yeah. so that we can remember how to use our skills to respect uh, what we need to survive. Exactly. That is very true. You talk about obviously the the the, the nature side of things. It's the little one. Whatever. I call her Ginger General um, because she's obviously a little redhead and she rules the roost. So um, yeah, she's got a tree right about in the park. We've got a local park, and she actually goes up to it all the time. It's called Rosie. 
Rosie the tree. And uh, so cute. And I'll tell you what, can we go and see Rosie today? It's like, yeah, come on, let's go. And she walks up to it and gives it a little stroke and talks to it. And I, I started to think it was a bit mental. I was like, my daughter's a bit mental. She's got friends with the tree. But then you realize when you talk about it and you think about it, you're like, nah, that's actually quite cool, actually. So it resonates about what, what you're saying right now sort of thing. It's very innocence. And it's the innocence of a child that everyone needs to kind of step back and hone in on sort of thing and get that sort of uh, kind of trait back again, which is completely uh, understandable, to be honest. Yes, yes. And I'm a tree hugger. So um, <laughs> do you, do you name the trees hard. as well? Do you name the trees as well? You've got a whole family well, of trees. I haven't named the trees. But you know, you know, that question, there's so many that question where people say, if you could talk to anyone, anyone in the plant, you know, that's ever lived, who would that be? You've heard that question, right? Oh, who God, yeah. Be? And my answer has always been a great sequoia. All right. And because this is a tree that has been alive for thousands of years, okay, the oldest ones, and they are amazing. And I'll go up to trees when I'm in nature. It's when I'll lean into a tree, I'll, you know, and I will talk to the tree and I will thank the tree for holding steady, for showing us how to beautifully persevere for, I mean, there are forests that have been burnt down and the trees keep growing. We just drove through one last week and it was amazing. There were so many trees. They were black on the outside. They had been burnt and they were green at the top. They were growing within the burn. And that's a representation of us. We have that same sustainability. And uh, so I get her 100%. I love that she's naming her tree Rosie. I love it. I love she's already just dig your little girl. She's awesome. <laughs> she's, a, she's a little nutter, bless her. A little nutter. So both of this weekend, she's going to get spoiled rotten. So mm. that's good. So I'll be no doubt building stuff. DIYing and assembling dollhouses and what God knows what else I'm going to get through. I think it's getting to the point because of the quarantine and all that sort of stuff. The actual delivery drivers know me by heart, off by heart by now. You mm. know, and it's like I seen something the other day there. There was a little uh, a little post on uh, on social media, and it was like um, we uh, we didn't get any deliveries today. So the, the UPS driver came and knocked on our door just to make sure we're okay. <laughs> That was literally my house. That's literally my house at the minute. So it's like, because I've, I've just had deliveries after deliveries. Because you get, the, 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 because we're on quarantine, because we're situated in the house all the time, all these little things that you've been putting off and putting off are now starting to become um, to the forefront. You've got a chance to do it. So that's what I've been doing. And it's, uh, yes, there's lawnmowers, there's grass, the garden's trying to get sorted out. I tell you, I actually thought myself, I'm going to try and get this garden sorted because I've not really done much with it. We've only been in this house for about oh, nine, nine months now. We've not done much. So I said, I'm going to get this garden done. I never knew gardening was that hard. I can't <laughs> lie to you. I'm going, I'll be fine. Get myself a new lawnmower. Get myself a strimmer. Go on in. I'll get some grass seed. Get the new lawn sorted out. Yeah, great. Fantastic. No, no. It's, yeah, it's, you barely walk after, right? When I moved in, yeah, yeah. When I moved in, it looked like Jurassic Park out there, you know. <laughs> and um, now it just looks like a barren wasteland because when you trim everything down, it's like, oh, that's the reason why. Yeah, that does not look good. Uh, that's yeah. not my skill. <laughs> and, um, and there's a there's a shed at the bottom of of our garden. I dare not go in it because I'm not a big spider fan. I, I'm going to show my vulnerabilities here. I hate all these little kind of spiders. I hate spiders. Oh my god, I hate. And I'd never go in it. So um, I'm just waiting to kind of probably set fire to that thing before I step inside it, to be quite honest with you. Like, I would no. just freak you out then because spiders don't bother me. I actually pick them up. 
Oh, God. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, no, I can't do that. Can't do that. Do you know what it was? This is a story why this is. And I would say this. I, everyone says, why are you so scared of um, spiders? And do you remember the film back in the day, probably like late, early 90s, Arachnophobia? Oh, my. Yes. <sighs> oh, get this one, right? So the story was, is... Um, me and my sister, we kind of bunked off school. We didn't go to school. We didn't go to school one day. My mum said, let's go to the cinema. Because I think it was because we had a long weekend and was like, oh, we don't want to go to school. I was like, okay, let's go to the cinema. So we went to the cinema and it was, I can't remember what age it was, but it was the same age when Little Mermaid came out on the cinema as well. And um, she goes, let's go and see the Little Mermaid. So I must have been young. And uh, I was like, okay. And uh, the Little Mermaid wasn't on. It wasn't on at that time. So my mum went, what's the next film? She went, oh, Arachnophobia. So we went and watched this in the cinema. Oh. So me and my sister, we, my sister's four years older than me, so she must have been about, oh gosh, she must have been about 12, 13. So I must have been about nine. And I watched this, and I literally had nightmares for days, weeks, months even, and that's the reason why I hate that I, film. I feel for you. I've, that is, if you've not grown up around, you know, being comfortable with spiders, that's almost... Cruel <laughs> to go from Little Mermaid to arachnophobia in your mind oh, yeah. in one day. Because it was many... before, it was before all the like the the, the ratings, the TV, uh, the, the film ratings were properly strict. So you could you could walk into a cinema at five years old and watch like a, I don't know like uh, like an eighteen film or something, like an R rated film. They oh, don't care. Totally. But now it's just different. Yeah, yeah it's see, thank God. But yes, I remember before PG thirteen. Mm. Um, yes, it was crazy. Okay. And that, yeah, when I saw that movie, elements of it, it made me laugh. But because <laughs> I, you know, spiders obviously don't do that. Well, a tarantula will, if it feels threatened, it'll rear up. But um, I grew up in an area where tarantulas yearly would migrate across the street. And uh, you would drive down in the Santa Barbara mountains and they'd be all over the road. And uh, my mom was a little bit of an, you know, an entomologist, you know, dreamy, dreamer entomologist in her, uh, she wasn't one, but she knew a lot about bugs and, um, and I just grew up unafraid. My favorite spider to pick up though are the um, daddy long legs. You know which ones those are, right? The ones with the really long legs and the tiny little bodies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I don't mind them. I've got some of them in my house. I keep them in my house. It's a time of year for them. And this is, and it's the one's called Steve and one called is uh, one called Jeff. That's what the little one calls. Are they your friends, Daddy? Yeah, they better be my friends. Otherwise, mean that they're going to get set on fire in a minute. You know, yeah, but they they're perfect. They catch all the moths and all that sort of stuff that yes. fly in. So I'm happy with that. But it's the biggins. It's the biggins. So the thing is, though, I love traveling. I've done a lot of traveling since I was younger. Uh, all in my twenties, my early thirties. I've been all around the place. I love it. I think it's great. And there's one place that I've always wanted to go to is Australia, and I will never visit it. And the reason why is because what they say is like 90% of the, the most poisonous population of spiders are situated and are at home in Australia. Yeah, and it's not just spiders. It's these tiny little box jellyfish too. They're oh, like, crazy, yeah. and they touch you, you're dead. There's so much danger in Australia. I've, I've only been there once and it was just for a few hours and for a project. And, uh, but I got to tell you about a trip in uh, a film I did in Africa, okay? Trip down to South Africa. Ooh. There are trees or spiders that live in trees and they eat birds. I know. I was about to say, the spiders that eat birds. Uh, what the hell is going on with nature? Did God just realize, just say, I'm just going just gonna to mess with people now, you know what I mean? I was gonna yes. Eat, that's a big spider. Just likes, and it jumps. It probably jumps as well. 
Yes, oh, it was freaking out right now. gigantic. I mean, I was at a cheetah reserve, and uh, the guy who was showing us the cheetahs, and the the uh, we were going over to the um, hyena um, paddock, and we walked through these trees, and we were all talking to each other. You know, there were like six of us, and we're he was giving us the lowdown. And, uh, and then he just stopped us under this tree and he said, um, so I'm just going to ask you to look up in a minute and I'm just going to ask you not to freak out. And I was like, <laughs> as soon as someone says that, you're, exactly. something bad's above you. Something exactly. bad's above you. I'd be like, fuck this. I'm out of here. I'm off. I was thinking snake, you know, I'm thinking there's going to be a snake up there in the tree. And he just saw it as we, he was walking us over here. And he you were walking at, you walking at the time while you were in our vehicle. No, no, no. We were walking in a reserve. Yeah. So we were walking over to the, yeah. So, and it wasn't a big, you know, it wasn't like, you know, there were no lions in there. It was literally a cheetah reserve. So they had them in their paddocks and whatnot. And uh, so we look up and the tree is basically a tree with webs all over it. And the spiders that are in it have, they're black and yellow. I'll never forget them. And I'm comfortable with spiders, but this spider had a body that big <laughs> size of a brick. okay one section of its thorax the back end that big okay then it had you know the the head and the legs it was like exactly it was like you know the spread of it was like that and i they were all over the tree and uh and I just remember thinking okay I'm comfortable with spiders but this is just wrong <laughs> I don't play. Oh, that's fucking freaking right. Do you know what they should have done? Do you know what they should have? If I was there, I would have said, I would advise that gentleman who was taking his round and said, you need to set fire to that whole tree. It's okay. We <laughs> talked about it before. Trees can handle it. As long as it sprouts at the top, we're okay. The, the, the bunt, they can get, they can set on fire. They're fine. But the spiders must go, nah. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. Intense. Can't handle it. Yes, several it. of them. And then he explained they eat birds and it's all part of the, you know, the, you know, the ecosystem and whatnot. So I'm okay with that ecosystem and it being part of it but just can we move out from underneath this tree because uh i'm not gonna stand in here what would happen if one jumps in you lands in your head um they don't the thing is is they don't want you know just like spiders in the house like i was going to tell you about those daddy long legs which is really funny is when you if you gently ever have to take one out and you're able to just grab their two front legs really gently and hold them the thing that's hilarious about them is they do a full their rest of their legs, they stretch completely out like a yoga, like a stiff as a board. Their whole, all the rest of their legs go straight out the back end. And so you're carrying around, it looks like, you know, stiff as a board, light as a feather. And that's what they do. When you, when you hold the front two legs, the back ones go like this. And they just have this like panicked, you know, I imagine a panicked look, but they just go, okay, I don't know what's happening, but okay. And they, I put them outside and they just, they just, you know, leave. But it's, when I first discovered that as a kid, that was one of my favorite things is just to pick them up gently and see them do that little stretch. I, it was way before yoga. I had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> I know you're like, this no, is I'm scary. cringing thinking about it. I can't even go near them. <laughs> can't even go near them. Evil, yeah. evil I, ass of things. It's, it's all about what you grow up with, right? It's all about what, what True, it's true. We don't really have much over here in the UK. Um, we don't have anything like that. We don't, we don't have like, anything poisonous at all. To be fair. I don't think we have anything poisonous. Nothing wants to live here. That's why it's too freaking cold. You uh, used to have uh, wild cats. I, I, on a vacation, came, um, met a couple that were from uh, 
Scotland and they said, oh, we used to have wild cats. We don't have wild cats anymore. We have deer mm. and that's all we have, right? That's, so that's it, yeah. You do, you do have like the odd cat. It's a thing that there's always like kind of, um, it's like the, the cats are here, but they're not here. They try and kind of keep themselves to themselves. If you go up in the highlands, up Scotland and all that sort of stuff, you probably could. But down south, you don't get nothing at all. And there's always, was it the beast, they call it the beast of Bodmin, some moor I think it is up in the Midlands. And it's like, it's just like, let's say a cat. It just looks like a mountain lion sort of thing, you know, when you get over to the US. It's one of them. But it keeps getting sighted all the time. And it's, it's, it's a legendary thing. But this was like back in the 70s and people still think this thing's still alive. That was like 40 years ago. And you're like, oh, the beast, the beast is out. It's, it's, it's eating things. And it's 76, this came out, mate. 1976. And people still, and it's just one of those, it's like Loch Ness. You know, it's yes. like Nessie. People still think it. Last thing someone's seen of Loch Ness was back in the 1800s. I don't think that thing's still alive if it was alive anyway. I well, we love you guys bread. for Loch Ness and your, and your, and your superstitions of beasts. <laughs> we love, love that. Well, I just love all that sort of stuff, you know. We're just, we're the most superstitious, uh, I would probably say we're the most superstitious nation out there, give or take. Well, I wouldn't say we're the most, we're probably top five at least. We just <laughs> believe in anything, you know what I mean? We're just like, what's that? It's a ghost. What? what? Some just fell off the shit. It's a ghost. It's a ghost of the person <laughs> who lived here. And I'm like, how do you know that? Because that's what it is. And I'm like, okay. And then rumors start and it just keeps going and going. What happened? But some the bins have just been raided. Oh, that's the beast of the the forest that comes out every every second full moon of the year. And I'm like, what day is it? It's the second full moon. The Hounds of Baskerville, some of the best stories ever. Have come <laughs> there you go. Werewolves. Yeah. This is where we came from. The werewolves came from us that's because right. we, I think most of these stories, the literally stories, is just people just get bored and just go and just make up stuff. You know what I mean? It's like Mary Shelley and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Things. It was you guys. I mean, come on. That's a great uh, legacy. It's <laughs> a great legacy as well. <laughs> that is a good legacy. That is a good legacy. So Never but we're going to... So we're going to transition and talking about books and stuff like that there, Walker, because you, you've, can I just say that was a great transition, by the way? It was um, a fabulous transition. Thanking you. Um, you've done this before. <laughs> just a few times, actually, yeah. You've got a new book out, haven't you? I, I do. I want to chat about this. I want to chat about this. Would you, well, let's chat about a little bit about from previous, because what I want to talk about is you said about transitions and how the human race is transitioning now. You've transitioned quite a bit in your career, to be quite honest, haven't you? Is that something that you're, well, I'm going to say you're used to doing, but is it something that resonates with you a little bit more easier if you have to do it again? Yes, it does. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I, I've been an actor for 30 years and, uh, and I love the, uh, the craft of acting and I'm still an actor. Um, we're all actors. This is a stage. I mean, life is a stage. Life is not a rehearsal. <laughs> The Verve, 1996, great album that was. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, The Verve, oh my gosh, man. Now you're bringing back some memories. That's the <clears> stuff <throat> that I That's going back to yeah, school. Yeah, seriously, one. yes. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I uh, kind of woke up to, and I've been in, I'm, you know, tram transformation is a... Um, an experience. I mean, it's not, it's not a conversation, it's an experience, mm. right? So uh, throughout my life, from the point when I was really, really young, uh, I have memories when I was two and a half, three years old still. Uh, and I remember being very conscious of the fact that I had something to say about my experience 
and that I could change my experience. Uh, that uh, the world, that playground, uh, I was determined for that, that experience as a kid. And, uh, but I had gone through some real big challenges uh, and, and uh, you know, most people have no idea where I came from that are in my, uh, that, are, that know me as an actor because it's, it's been something I've kept very private mm-hmm. up until last year. Um, it, it's just been a uh, experience of how I lived my life was to always see the silver lining and always engage life. So uh, do you want me to give you a little bit of history of that uh, experience from it's not well. You, what have you comfortable talking about? Really, to be honest, you know, I'm not. Uh, sure. I, mean, don't, I, I don't mean to pry. You know, it's no, just, it's totally okay. okay. It's okay. I'm to, I'm fully uh, well with uh, sharing. Uh, a lot of people have been through uh, challenging childhoods. Mine, in particular, was one of alcoholism and um, and chemical abuse in my family. That's the legacy, and uh, and suicide. Uh, and just, uh, just extreme violence. Um, so that's where I chose to come in. I had this feeling, you know, uh, as I matured, okay, so I chose this as I, so I chose this. And even as a little, little girl, like I said earlier, there was an understanding that this doesn't have to be my, I don't have to be this way. I don't have to do that. I don't want to do that. Even if it makes everybody around me uncomfortable and mad, doesn't mean I have to do it. And I had a tremendous amount of uh, determination and perseverance as a a child. I was willing to go into that and say no. So um, after a point when I had really been through a lot of terrible violence um, and abuse, I decided that uh, I couldn't be there anymore. I could not survive in that space, even though I would go out into the world, into nature, and I would recover as a kid because we lived in the mountains and I was able to redesign my story. I would go through something very painful and difficult within the home. And then I would, as soon as I could, go out and play in nature and rewrite the story in my mind. I started doing that very, very young that's when it was a subconscious uh, healing mechanism that I didn't know what I was doing. I was just instinctually rewriting it, right? So uh, as a teen though, it got to the point, I mean, there's enough we go through as a teen, uh, as teens that, you know, there's enough shifting and changing. It's so intense, all the hormones and all the identity and the relationships within trying to figure out, trying to fit in. That's when everything came to a real uh, intense moment uh, in my life when I, I just wanted to leave. I couldn't, I couldn't take it. And I was yeah. in a position of, of uh, being ready to take my own life. And I heard a voice. And I said, no, leave. No, leave. Those are the two words I heard. No, leave. And all that helplessness that I felt in a moment shifted to that determination that was on the other side of it, that perseverance that I used prior. And I called a friend and I left and I never went back um, to live in my family home again. 
And that was the first time was when I was 13, when I ran away. I ran away again when I was 14. I tried to kill myself twice during those years. And then I, at 15, was when it was the worst of those experiences. And then um, I left. And from 15, I never went back. And I was emancipated at 16. So uh, and I, I moved to LA. So I began my journey of doing <laughs> and not being, but doing but very connected with my, with God and my, and my environment and nature. So even in my doing, I always had, an, there was an awareness that there was something more, but we, when you're in a survival mode in that place inside your head, you create, start creating these uh, roles that you think we need to live, you know, or me, I did, I started creating yeah. uh, sometimes, you know, people go, I've, I've, heard through many conversations that people go through this. So I'd say you only in a, in a sort of a general way, but it's what I did was I started developing what I thought would be the best way to be that was different. And that was to get as far away from what had hurt me as I could and to never allow for the possibility that there could be anything good coming from that. Um, which is very limiting because when people are, you know, hurting, they're blaming. And when people are hurting, they're angry. So I didn't have the mental capacity at that time to understand that the people that were hurting me were hurting. The people that were abusing me were, were in tremendous pain. Yeah. I didn't have the awareness of, <clears throat> of compassion at that stage of the game didn't understand how to communicate with that energy. So I ran from it for a long, long time. And, um, and when I was doing that, what I was doing was forfeiting responsibility to myself for the very thing that I was trying to get away from. So I became my own judge judgment. You know, I became my own, I judged myself for having been through what I'd been through from, for having, had come from that family. Right. So it became this little uh, battle or this little box inside of me of, uh, you know, how am I, you know, how am I supposed to marry what I can, I see myself doing and where I've come from. So of course, what do I draw to me in that state? I draw being an actor. <laughs> Good. Because when I'm an actor, I play roles and I take on characters and nobody has to know who I am. I can live in these characters and it fits very well with what I grew up doing in, in the, in nature when I was out there recreating my story. So I would, I love developing characters because I go deep and I, it's so much fun to get in there. And because I had a lot of experience as a kid. But what it did do was I kept keeping that part of me hidden, 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 thinking I need to survive. I need to not be anything like, and I need to not acknowledge that I came from that because people, they're all seeing me as this, and this is better, right? Yeah. This is better. And that's not necessarily so because and i'm not you know in any way saying that i you know it's knock on that on acting because it's not it's great this was my this was my situation that wasn't necessarily so the best choice what i did is i stopped sharing who i was 
and only lived inside of the identity that my agent saw me as or roles saw me as. And I kept my personal life so separate that it became uh, fractured. Right. And, uh, and I, I just started waking up to what I was doing. I started waking up to that I was responsible for my thoughts. And until I really became responsible for my thoughts, until I really accepted where I came from and that there is a silver lining in every circumstance, then I would never truly evolve into who I'm supposed to be because I believe I chose that family. I believe I chose my family. I chose the path. So I needed to be my best parent. I needed to stop looking at the people that disappointed me and hurt me. And I, start, I needed to start taking responsibility for the fact that I, it's time for me to be my parent. It's time for me to be compassionate and show myself what I did not get shown and uh, acknowledge myself for that. And that's what I started doing. And when I started doing that, I really started growing exponentially. Things started shifting in my life. I, then I saw, oh, I drew this to me. I drew this career to me to open me back up again. I drew it to me to remind me, to bring conscious actually, to remind me why I was here and to bring conscious what was a subconscious ability as a child, which we, you know, we come into this world with. Yeah. Wow, that's incredibly powerful. It's an incredibly powerful mindset to get, you, get into from that what previously had into kind of use that to push yourself forward then realize that it's not the best sort of action to do it and then kind of having to do it again. It must have been, it must have been challenging to do that sort of thing. Obviously, it didn't happen overnight. That's obviously an ongoing kind of um, track. Yeah, ongoing I lay it happens. out. Yeah. Exactly. And in the book, you know, the difference between um, awaken discovering yourself through the light of your innocence is it's i'm really open sharing with you the crackdown yeah there are you know and i've read a lot of great books and i'm not you know there's amazing books with tools the thing and there's tools in this book what i wanted to show was oftentimes you know we get given a tool and we are so excited to use that tool. And then when we go into using that tool, we start feeling the blisters of using it. Just as an example, yeah. like you start hitting a hammer and you start using the blister, you start feeling the blisters and you're like, I don't know if I like this. I didn't want to hide the fact that there are scrapes. There were years where I was literally a passenger in my own life. Um, I had no idea how I landed in circumstances. I was, it was like living in a trance. I was in such a state of, of rejection, of self-rejection from rejecting others because you don't get to do to others what you, you don't get to not do it to yourself. It's just the way it is. You yeah, just sure. don't get to do it. And, um, I didn't know that to that. I just thought, okay, I need to not be like these people and I need to not be influenced by these people, which it's true. You don't want to hang out. I mean, water on a rock, it, it leaves a groove. Grand Canyon, it, it does. You can't hang out with uh, people that are negative and, and, or, in, uh, or hurtful and not expect it to affect you. But what you can choose to do is see them in a different light, is not only limit them 
to the circumstance you had with them. And that's what I started doing is I took, for instance, I, I write about in the book, I took, for instance, my mother who had lived through a lot of trauma in her life. And I didn't know the majority of it until, you know, an, an adult. Um, and even still know very little, just the big ones. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when I allowed myself, when I started seeing my light, first of all, I really started seeing it consciously, the light that I knew I had as a kid. I started seeing it. I started envisioning it. And I started expanding it. So I yeah. really started seeing that. And then I started seeing it in all these other people around me. I started seeing the light that we are, this beautiful, incredible, radiant experience of light that lives within us, that, that, that animates us, that, that wakes us up in the morning, that is our own unique, incredible you know, gift, the connection we are, the God within us. And I started seeing that. I hadn't allowed myself to see it in the people that hurt me though for the longest time. I saw it in other mm. people. I would never see it in the people that hurt me. So I didn't allow them to have the same essence. It was when I did that, when I sat down and it was painful. I shook all the memories in my body came up from the experiences I had had with them. I was in utter terror. I didn't know what was going to happen. It was all this physiological chemical reaction that had been buried in there. All came up when I made, yeah. And when I made that choice, then I decided, okay, I'm going to do what I used to do as a kid with this person. I'm going to see my mother before I became into her life, before I became in her life, before I was part of her story, before my sister was part of her story, before her mother was killed. I'm going to see her as this adventuring little girl, as this light, having a wonderful time playing on the beach, something I'd never seen her do. You know, I, she went to the beach with us, but I'd never seen her just really joyfully play. She had such a burden, has such a burden. I never saw her do these things. So I forced myself to create this beautiful story about this person that I was terrified of. And can I just tell you the exponential release of taking the time to not only imagine it, to write it down and then to stand up like an actor and walk it out. Like I'm working out a character to be seeing her, to allow myself to smile and laugh and, and feel the joy of watching this person in such freedom and happiness. It gave me permission to give that to myself, Ryan. I can't even tell you what it did. It was like, it was an explosion. It was a quantum explosion from that quantum power of love that just supernova inside of me. And it woke there. me, yeah, it was, it woke me up and it really allowed me to, uh, start doing it in all the different circumstances in my life where I decided to close them off into this little box of pain. You know, this little chain of pain is really what it was. It became yeah. a chain of pain that I was dragging around. And, uh, and that's what motivated me. I started writing some of Awaken and then I met uh, Lisa Nichols and, and, uh, and Susie Carter and Lisa looked at, you know, she looked at 
right in my face and just said, your story doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the person that's going to help. That's true. Yeah. And I was going to say as well, is that from the experience that you've had, is that the, the inspiration to write that book sort of thing and the, what, how you dealt with it and what you did is you put it pen to paper sort of thing so you could release it to the world. So is that what it's the, the, the kind of fundamental it came from? Yes, exactly. And, and I also brought, I was standing, I was standing in my office where I'm at right now and I, I stood up and I was doing an exercise where you ask yourself a question and then you answer it with your higher self. You literally move back and forth like this and talk to yourself. And it's an incredible exercise. And I learned it in my twenties and um, it's powerful because, you know, when you're afraid of something, you can literally say, tell me why you're afraid. And you go, you turn this way and look at yourself and say, well, I'm afraid because, and then you look back at yourself, step around and give yourself that ability because we have that capacity to do this and you work through it and you understand where it's coming from. You get down to the root of it. Mm. So through the work I was doing, I realized, oh, so this is what I'm supposed to do. This is why. Okay. So this is why I became an actor because it brought what I had as a child to, my, to consciousness. And because I'm willing to make the commitment and I'm willing to walk this with another person, I'm not willing to lie to you and say, do this and everything's gonna be fine. You're gonna feel something. You're gonna have your biology come up and reject you. You're going to feel pain, but guess what? You aren't gonna be there forever. And you have a gift in you and God gave it to you. And it's the ability to change your environment, your story, your perception, your role, and create the story you want. Once you start looking into where all this came from and you open that up within yourself, you have the capacity to completely rewrite where you, where you show up in life, where yeah. you resonate, your frequency changes, everything shifts, but you're going to have your moments because those experiences happen. They need to be you can't run from, they need to be acknowledged and they need to compassion and empathy for that part of you that went through it is so, so important. And that's, I mean, there were times, Ryan, this may sound a little nuts, but there were times when I sat on my little settee and I had my 16 year old and I had my, my four year old sitting next to me and I had my arms around them in my mind and I held them dear to me. And I just said, you know, we got this. I'm here for you. I got you. You don't have to be afraid anymore. And when I felt that love of me for me, that love inside of me for me for these times in my life, and then I went right through all these different years, these circumstances that had happened as a result of running from where I came from that actually drew them to me. I had been on a movie set uh, several times, but one in particular that was really shattering to me uh, at the time. I didn't have the capacity to deal with it. I, it was too close to what I had lived through. Hmm. And um, so I had to go through each one of these. So I went, from, I went through each year and I said, tell me five, six, seven, eight. And I went all the way up to my age. And when I got there, I did that work. And I, and the two ages I found that were the most, had the most pain were 16 and four. And those are the ones where I had to sit down and I had to just say, you know, I got you. You got me. I got you. And we're yeah. good. Wow. So. 
Wow, that's an incredibly powerful way of thinking. And you're definitely right is start like not putting the 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 the, the, the sort of things in a box that like you put it and and a locking key and hiding away from it. As soon as you kinda open up and face it, that's the only time you can really have personal growth. You know, and that's when you can sit there and do that. And I think that is incredibly powerful. And um, I think the message that you're putting across is, is without a doubt, going to help a number, a number, a number of different people. Because um, as we were talking about before with society and stuff, that's what we do. We put stuff down. We, we go through some experiences and we just channel it down and we keep it to ourselves. We don't let it out. And we don't deal with it properly. And that's one of the main reasons why psychologists right now are, getting, are uh, probably the busiest people out there because they're learning and they're not dealing with it properly. But once yeah. you do, you, and once you do, you can rebuild yourself, and you can go. Yeah, and when you mentioned as well, when you did that, and you, you said it was such a euphoric, it's like a lift of your shoulders. You just felt like, ah, oh, like that. And that is it. Is once you get to that stage, it might take a bit of time, I imagine. But once you get to that, yeah, your whole world's ahead of you. You can look at the, the, the blinkers are off. You can take it, and you're just looking, and you you take in the world differently. You look at the world differently, and and that is incredibly powerful, to be quite honest. Yeah, you do when you expand and you know, you being a man, you guys have uh, so much more um, often, so much more of the outside telling you what you need to be and what you need to do. I mean, we have, we women, we do too, but there's a thing because you're, you, there's a historical uh, load that you guys carry. It's historical. So for me, not just only doing that for myself, but sharing this with, um, especially with youth, but sharing it with men to recognize that, you know, there, there are influences and roles and identities that we get born into and that we accept from society and from uh, our family legacies and whatnot. That, uh, the, the willingness to sort of emotionally express ourselves is more of a woman thing. And thank you, God, that now in this new time, I see more men unwilling to deny that they are feeling beings too, and that they have a right to choose um, in a different way. Um, because it's, the way that we've been, the paradigms we've been living in are shifting. And we all, the, the, you know, our orientation, there's, there's just so many different evolutions of the human being right now and understandings of what that means to different individuals. So I, I love talking about this with men too, because men often feel that, this, I gotta do that. And I'm living, you know, I, I got it. I've got it. I've got to, you know, it's like, I gotta, gotta, gotta. It's like, yeah, I, I get you. I get you that you gotta, gotta, I get it. I'm a girl and I'm very much gotta, gotta, I've been that way. And I don't think there's anything wrong with gotta doing things, you know, getting things done and wanting to, but to be conscious, to be a hundred percent conscious of your gotta and why you're doing it. Because if you're doing it from a place of um, habit, influence. If there's never been a time when you've given 
we give ourselves the grace, what I just explained, of really looking inside and finding out why we do what we do. Because you may look inside, any one person may look inside and go, you know what, I got this from my dad and I freaking love it. I love that I, he influenced me this way and I love this about myself. You also get the, the opposite way of like the influence and you don't like it and it's a bad trait and that's the, another thing that people don't understand as well. Yeah, but when you consciously go in and acknowledge your personality and acknowledge yourself and say, this is why I do what I do, really do the work. Be your own investigator. Why do I do these things? Am I doing it because I want to and I choose this and I'm designing my life? As a friend of mine said, are you designing your life yeah. or you are you habitually a routine are you like you know walking down a well tread path that you have not deviated from because um because of a of an influence or a habit it it may be that everything that we choose is something that we love to do but it may not be and there's and that same exponential amazing feeling comes with that moment when you look at everything consciously, take the time to acknowledge yourself and go, yes, I am doing all these things because I really embrace what my mom taught me, what my dad taught me, what my uncle, I embrace what I've taught myself. I love all those things. I am doing these things like they did because they taught me and I'm evolving it into my own version. And I'm really glad I have that stuff. But what we often do is we get so caught up in these new identities. We end up piling on as we age yeah. and we never take the time to embrace consciously what we're doing in these moments, to be present, to be in them and choose consciously. And that's what I did. And that's so important for you guys. I mean, it's so important for the, for the dudes in the world because yeah. you guys, I mean, we lean into you all the time. It's just, it's in our nature. We're going to lean into you and we got to support you in that. We as women got to step up and say, I'm leaning into you. Who are you leaning into? Are you, I mean, take that moment right now. Who are you leaning into? Because I want to know you, know you. I want to know you, know you. Because when you know you, you're even more amazing. And that's, that's something that, uh, yeah, I really want to see us get there. I want to see us do that for each other. Um, it's these unique qualities that men and women have that we do for each other when we're conscious of each other and ourselves. Cool. I, I, so I just had to take a bit of time to think that and kind of take that in because that was like, yeah, like it does, it hits home. It does hit home what you're saying. And it, it is, uh, I don't want to say it's powerful, but it is. It's just like, wow. And you're quite right. You're quite right. It's, who do we need to do this? Yeah, so women out there, look after your man. So we're there for. We'll look after you, but you need to look after us, sort of thing, you know. Yes, we do. We do, we do have to look so, after you. So the big, the big just came out. Um, was it March? Was it March, April? Yes, it was going to come out a little bit later, but when the pandemic hit, I thought, um, get out there. Yeah, get it out now. It actually uh, has some typos in there. Oh, is it really? Misspelling authors, <laughs> which is so embarrassing. Uh oh. Because uh, yeah, I told my. Uh, publisher I kept autocorrecting 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 and one of my favorite authors so it's being corrected now because actually these are only I only have two hard copies the hard copies right. are just about to come out um it's only been the download so what I wanted to do is I wanted to get the download out immediately because I felt the message in it was was appropriate for the time and I wanted yeah. it out I wanted it free download the whole time 
And so now, now that we've finally done the hard edit for the hard copy, it's, it'll be ready this uh, in July. So I'm really excited yeah. about that. Um, but yes, uh, just, you know, I wrote it last year in, a, in about eight months and, uh, and released it in Mar on March 30th. So, uh, and I'm designing, a, I'm designing an online course to go with it. Um, oh, and to support, uh, and, and there's so much going on right now. Let me tell you, there's so much going on. I'm involved with some amazing, uh, people I'm working with. Have you ever heard of grandma Sparky? Have you ever heard of Elise grandma Sparky bridges? I don't think I have actually. No. Okay. Well, if, are you on uh TikTok? I am now. Yeah. I have, I've, I, I frequent it. I do a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried, I haven't gone there yet. I haven't gone there yet, but I, I can't take another thing on right now. But anyway, she's a, she is the first lady of acknowledgement. She's an amazing, amazing woman. Okay? Right. She's been, uh, she created this. Who I am makes a difference. Blue Ryan Ryan makes oh, okay. I have one on right now. All right. I've been working with her for a couple months now. She came into my sphere, uh, during this period of, uh, new beginnings in many, you know, many ways it is. You open the door and you say, okay, I'm ready to pay attention to why I'm here. And it's like, oh my gosh, look at all these people. <laughs> and she's one of them. And so her whole life has been dedicated to teens, giving them a voice Brilliant. and to humanity. She's been with Gorbachev's wife when the wall went down. She's been with presidents and world Jeez. leaders. And she's, uh, she's just one of those people that has dedicated her life to uh, love. So for me, if, if you read the book, you know that that was one of the number one, uh, that was my, my number one focus. It, my, my cry to God was, I did not learn how to love where I came from. Please teach me. Please teach me. That's all I care about. Teach me how to love. Because I knew I didn't know hmm. how to love with people the way that I needed to. And the way I knew that was inside that I had, I needed to trust and I needed to love. So here I'm working this last couple months, um, crazy story, how it all happened. It was a total miracle. I uh, saw her on a random call that I was on a Zoom call and I ordered some uh, blue ribbons because I had been, uh, I was at a seminar with Susie Carter, one of her big money business summits right. uh, last year. And we all acknowledged each other at the end of the, the seminar and it was powerful, the experience. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a ribbon. I'm going to do a virtual version of it with you. If you don't <laughs> hey, go for it. No problems at all. Okay. Okay. Not this moment, but I'm going to do it as soon as I finish telling the story. So, uh, when I saw her on this call, I said, you know, I need to order some ribbons. Um, I'm involved with some kids and I want to help. Uh, I want to give them this acknowledgement because teens are my, um, sort of passion of mine to help. A, my 16 year old needs, needs that. She needs yeah. to let teens know that uh, they have a voice and there's, and they are there, there is a place to be heard. Of course that was, you know, there is. So I ordered a, a 20, a $20 order. Okay. And out of the blue, she calls me. She doesn't know me. She doesn't call in $20 orders. She just randomly calls and said, I wanted to thank you for uh, your order. And you know, uh, and I, and she said, well, your name is, is it Walker? And, uh, and I said, yes. And I said, is this grandma Sparky? And she <laughs> said, she said, yes. And I said, oh my goodness, you're calling me about a $20 order. <laughs> 
Well, bless your heart. She said, I don't normally do this, but I was told I needed to call. And I said, well, I'm excited as heck right now that you've called me because I think you're amazing. You are, you represent what I didn't have as a kid and what I wanted so badly was acknowledgement and understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And so she, uh, she, we started talking for a minute and she said, so what do you do? And I said, well, I'm an actor. And she went, oh my gosh, you're not, you're an actor. (laughs) I have a play. I have a play that I have been working on that I started 30, almost 40 years ago. It was written by me and students and teachers. And, uh, and I was just told that I need to bring it out again. And I know that I have to, and I, it's, it's been working on me all these years and I've just not been ready. And I was just told by a friend of mine, you need to develop those characters. And I went, Oh, well, I can help you do that. I love developing characters. That's my thing. And she was just, we just freaked out because it was like one of those moments where something happens. It's synchronicity. It's Mm. a blessing. It's a miracle. And I'm telling you, these ribbons are the weight of miracles. They are amazing. So I'm going to give you one right now. And now I'll tell you how you can do it virtually. So Ryan, may I acknowledge you with this ribbon that says who I am makes a difference. Yeah, of course, God. Well, Ryan, I just want to tell you that after speaking with you for this hour, 45 minutes, I can tell what a giving, caring human being you are. And I admire you for what you're doing in the world. I admire you for having the courage to put yourself out there and create a podcast and interview people and be authentic and honest. I admire you for sharing with the world that you have a child and being a father is so important to you, being a good father. And I admire you for being courageous, for being kind. I can see it in you. And for wanting to do what I'm doing, to acknowledge people in this moment. You're doing what I'm doing right now every day. When you talk to people, when you interview people, when you take the time to say, I want you on my show. I want want you on my podcast. I want to talk about what you do. You acknowledge people. It's powerful. So I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for being who you are and tell you that who you are makes a huge, huge difference in this world. Now, if you, is it okay if I put this above your heart? Yeah, go for that. Virtually, I'm going to put this above your heart. And I'm going to place it on your heart like this. Now, at the end of this ribbon, there's three cheerleaders. And what they represent are cheering on your dreams. So I know you have dreams and I know you're making them come true because I know that's who you are. You move into your dreams. And one of the, one of the traditions is to put it above your heart with this going up. And at the very end of it, when you hit those, those uh, cheerleaders, you say, bing. And it always makes people laugh because (laughs) bing, that's the sound that makes dreams come true. Wow. And the script that I'm working with, with, uh, Sparky is called Bing, the sound of one billion dreams. And it's true stories about kids. It changes lives and adults and uh, teachers. Um, It changes lives. It has saved lives. That acknowledgement ceremony that I just did with you was done with a father and son. This is just one time, one story that I've heard recently that happened years ago 
but there's been many like this, but this one just really impacted me where this father was acknowledged by an employee whose kid was part of a school project and he came and acknowledged a friend of his who was helping teach him something. Well, this guy worked for a, a boss, a company, he acknowledged his boss who was a really sort of grouchy, angry guy. And uh, the boss, after being acknowledged, didn't, he was so moved by it that he realized that he wasn't acknowledging his own child. He acknowledged his child, he went home and acknowledged his son who was a teenager. And his son burst out crying and said, dad, I was gonna kill myself tomorrow. This is the note I wrote. And because you, because of this, I don't have to. That's how powerful this little ribbon is. Jeez. This, she's impacted well over 50 million people. Imagine, she's yeah. going for a billion people in 2020. So she created a, a virtual blue ribbon. So you could literally do this that I just did with you, with anyone you wanted. If you went on her website, it's called Blue Ribbons Worldwide. And uh, we created a... Um, we created a, a virtual page for it so that we could right. get this out and people can do it in Zoom meetings. Because I don't know about you, but that moment with you just now that I shared acknowledging you, I felt who you are even more than I've already felt. And I thank you for that. You no, are so I thank you for it. It's, uh, it's a first. I've never really had anything like that. And uh, no, I really, really appreciate it. I thank you so much. Yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah, this. I've got this. So. And that's what I'm up to now is I'm working with her. We're getting her written. We're getting her, I'm, you know, I'm up to creating my uh, online companion for the book. Mm. I'm up to having these discussions with people like you and uh, getting it out there and, you know, reaching people and, uh, and get, we're creating a platform right now for teens. It's called generation a generation awake. Oh, and wow. it's, yeah. It's amazing. And so guess who, guess who they, who's the foundation that they stand on? It's you and I. Of course. It's, it would it's be you a, and I. So that's what we're doing right now. We're creating this whole platform. We're reigniting her. She's a sleeping giant. She's awake. And, um, and we're setting that up. We've got, a you know, student ambassadors that have gone through our program and, uh, and yeah, so it's a, it's just an incredible thing to be a part of right now. And uh, you just never know, where you're going when you open yourself up to the possibility of why you're here by acknowledging who you are and where you've been. It's exactly. Exactly. It seems like this year and well, the next year, two, three, four years is going to be really exciting for you. And it's uh, it seems as if it's going to kind of help some, a lot, a lot of people out there, which really need it. And I think that's amazing. So uh, thank you for doing that. So I think, I think it's about time someone did excited about it. I feel very blessed and privileged to be working with this lady. She's a master. So I'm learning every day. Every definitely. Day. Definitely. So, well, I mean, we've been chatting away for a long, long time. You're walking. I don't want it to kind of keep you away from what you need to do. So we'll start wrapping up, but it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, so insightful. You've opened a lot of, uh, opened my eyes up to a lot of different things and uh, thank you so much for it. And you, me. And by the way, I listened to your podcast with uh, Gul Khan. Oh, yeah. Hey? That's so good. She's great. She's great. Good. She's very enthusiastic. She doesn't shut up. We were, we're like, um, 
uh, both of us like both of us together were just like just like i'm i'm going to admit that i had to pause it a couple times and replay it because with both of your accents i was like what 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 what, what? i don't want to miss anything i'm gonna have to hear that because they're talking so fast yeah yeah she gets excited she goes fast bless she's a great great she's doing some great stuff as well and helping people she really is she really is i'm excited for her that was fantastic but yes thank you so much for inviting me to be here with you no problems. Um, we'll definitely, we'll, do, we'll need to catch up again and see how the program's going later on in the year when everything's kind of died down and we can do a little bit of follow-up and we can go from there sort of thing. Yes, absolutely. Visit, uh, visit um, Blue Ribbons Worldwide if you have a chance to check out the definitely. virtual Blue Ribbon page. Definitely, and, definitely. Uh, and everyone out there, do the same. Check it out. It's a great cause and it'll definitely help you out. Yes. And I will be listening to your podcasts. I enjoy them so much. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Share, share with your friends. Tell everyone. Spread the word. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I can be reached at walkerbrandt.com, walker at walkerbrandt.com. Um, if anyone wants to reach me, I'd love to chat with you. Uh, and uh, just, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for, for this time, Ryan. It's been, it's been great. Walker, thank you very much. Take care. You too. Bye.